Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a new edition of Collider Ladies Night with a show that has become, I was about to say my new obsession, but a returning obsession, I guess, because I have Bailey Madison, one of the stars of Pretty Little Liars Original Sin with me right now. And oh my, you just can't stop clicking next on your show. It is a problem. I have lost a lot of sleep. No, no, it's not a problem. It's a problem we wanted everyone to have. So this is like, it might be a problem for you, but a joy for us. So I'm glad to hear it. It was a uh, lost sleep that you earned very well. So I am happy to give it up. Thank you so much. All right. So I didn't warn you actually about step one on Collider Ladies Night. We play a game called Dicey Questions. Usually we do that with a dice tower, but the dice tower did not travel to New York with me. So you are just going to pick your numbers on your own. Okay. I have eight questions here. Okay. You pick three numbers and then whatever questions you pick, that is where we start at least. So what is your first number? Three. And I don't know why. <laughs> Three, three is one that makes me happy because it's already associated with the show. This one we're calling the Orpheum. Great. If you, as in real you, were an employee at the Orpheum, what movie would be on your name tag? Uh, uh, I think The Proposal. It's like my favorite. It's my favorite rom-com. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm such a proposal girl. That makes me really happy. I feel like that movie does not get the credit it deserves. I think they're amazing. I love when Ryan Reynolds is like, it takes two to make a thing go on. You know, and she's like, it takes two to make it side. I'm like, I just can't help but smile. It's a classic. I put it on and Betty White doing that whole, I mean, it's iconic. It's so, it brings me a lot of joy. Huh, now I'm going to have to rewatch this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what is your second pick? Um, uh, uh, let's do like six. Okay, Here, here's another good one. This is becoming one of my favorite questions to ask. This is zombie apocalypse. Okay. So I'm going to set the scene for you. There is a zombie outbreak. Oh, you no. can pick two cast members, like the real people, not the characters, from Pretty Little Liars' original sin to team up with. <laughs> Who do you pick to give yourself the best possible chance of surviving a zombie apocalypse? This is great. Um, I pick... I pick Maya because Maya, Maya 
I just know Maya will throw a punch. Like it doesn't, it doesn't concern me. I know that like if we're in danger of any sort, like if even if we would like were to be walking down the street alone one night, I feel safe next to her because I'm like, if anyone tries anything, she'll she's not afraid to be like, you get out of here. Um, so I'm 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 pulling Maya up on the zombie apocalypse and then Oh, this is so hard because I feel like I'm like leaving my girls behind and then like they're going to become zombies. And it's like, I would say Chandler, but there's also a part of me that thinks it might be really smart to bring like Alex Aono into the mix and like have Alex there to like, he's just really tall, you know, and, and really big. And I feel like, you know, he could also just stand in front and be like, run, <laughs> you know, just in case I don't feel like fighting all the time. <laughs> you're bringing him along so you could sacrifice him basically if needed and i think i think he'll understand when he hears this i think he'll be like that's fine yeah that's cool with me every survival group needs one of those all right you have one more pick here what is your last number i don't know what should it be (laughs) oh don't ask me i'd go for some of my uh my most fun crazier ones um uh like, can we, do we just go, do we go nine? Is nine, are we, can we do nine? There's, no, there's no nine, really right? Funny. There's no nine. In all the years that I've been doing ladies night with the dice tower, no one has ever said nine except for you and the person that I interviewed last week. I don't know what's really? in the air right now, but I've had okay, two nines out of nowhere. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do, um, okay, so I did three and then I did six. Yes. Okay, uh, and now we'll do. There is an eight. I'm assuming not. There an eight. is an eight. We'll do you an eight. Have, you can have eight. All right. This one is a nice softball for you. What is the most recent TV show that you have binge watched? Yes, Pretty Little Liars original sin. <laughs> <laughs> if not your own show, it's genuinely true. I haven't watched anything but our show. Um, you know, we've been in like the midst of promo and. Uh, that's been amazing and so much fun. Um, but we also do like, we've brought back the live Twitter chats that the original did. And so, um, I like stay up till midnight when the episodes first drop and, and tweet with people until, you know, 2am or, you know, it depends how many episodes we're releasing at the time. And, um, it's been so fun because I've seen people just all over the world, you know, not wait for the Thursday to, you know, hit during the day or at night. But I mean, they're setting their alarm clocks for 3am just people to wake up and watch once it's out. So uh, yeah, it's been I've been binging it with everyone. And and I genuinely, I mean it when I say obviously I'm in it, but I'm such a fan and such a believer of this show. And I think what we were able to do in a first season is worth celebrating. But um, the potential there. It's just, it warms my heart. So yeah, I've been, I've been binging with everyone and, and just enjoying the ride. It makes me so incredibly happy that you do that. I have a follow-up question to that because I know that some actors don't necessarily like watching their own work and it always uh, makes me wonder about this. Is there anything that maybe you weren't really feeling when you were filming it on set thinking, you know, like I'm not at peak level here, but then you rewatched it during one of these binge watches and you're like, huh, that scene came out way better than I ever could have imagined. Yeah, I think I think all of us for for nine months collectively left set being like, did we just do okay? <laughs> I think I think that was a big a big question for all of us because this was I mean we were thrown into uh, such a separate universe from our lives, and I think for me specifically, um, you know, I, I look back especially I'd say early on episodes when when you're not just trying to like get your footing as a character, but also like get your 
get your footing with your crew and your cast and and figuring out the tone of the show. You know, that's why pilots are such a pilot because everyone's just kind of kind of guessing, but also being guided at the same time. And um, I would say I would say there's a lot of scenes in like the first and first, second and third episode that I was worried about because I was like, I, you know, I'm wearing a pregnancy stomach. I'm dealing with so much trauma that that thankfully I haven't had to deal with in my own life. So it was kind of accessing uh, such un- unknown parts of me, which felt very vulnerable and scary and uncomfortable. And, you know, you you try to go there and, and you hope that it's making sense. Um, but it's been so fun to watch these episodes and see everything tie together and like celebrate our cast's work because, I mean, there's so many also separate storylines that I wasn't there when they were filming. And um, it's been really fun, like knowing if Maya was nervous about a scene and then watching it and being like, you're incredible. And she's like, it was good. It was okay, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a joy to watch it all come together. Well, for what it's worth, from my perspective, you all hit the ground running, starting with episode one, and I never noticed any of that, and I immediately fell into step with all of you. Oh, thank you. Before we get full force into Pretty Little Liars, we got to go back to the very beginning and start with the earlier days. So I know you were super, super young when you first started acting. So was it the kind of situation where, you know, like parents are encouraging you to give acting a go as an activity? Or did you always know from day one that you were immediately drawn to that craft? I I definitely did not have parents that wanted me to do it. Um, If anything, my mom, my mom did not want me to do it. She was like, please, like, pick up a sport and be like a tennis player or like do she was not she was not for the business um but it kind of happened it happened without any of us knowing you know I never took classes I never really said hey I want to be an actress or I want to do this um my sister Caitlin who's my best friend is 13 years older than me um and so she she did commercials and and movies and my mom was like the commercial queen of south florida um so she was in an audition once for a movie called lonely hearts which was with uh john travolta and selma hayek and james galafini and it was amazing um and i was three years old at the time i want to say and i was in the waiting room and the casting director came out and saw me and was like wait does does your sister act and my mom and my sister were like i don't think so like (laughs) think so and they're like does she want to audition and I remember they asked me and I was like yeah okay um and then thankfully got to do that movie and then from there on out I don't know how but uh have just been able to grow up in this business and I think it might not have been something that I said hey I want to do but the moment that I walked on that set it was it was home to me I've grown up on sets I've grown up in this world and um you know, it's, it means everything to me. It's so much of my identity and what I love to do. And, and I can't imagine my life without it. And so I think at that point, you know, once things kept going, my mom was like, well, I've got no choice, but to just stand by her side here and go through it with her. But, um, to have started at, you know, technically three and, uh, to be turning 23 really shortly. Um, it's, it's really humbling and, and crazy that I get to, that I get to still do this. As you were describing that, I'm surprised I didn't bring this up sooner. The one and only other time we spoke was one of my very first junkets for Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And you were like teeny tiny and I was a little baby in this business and I'll never forget that junket. Oh man, I actually, I remember that junket so well myself. I remember like leaving it and being like, 
was I okay? Because, you know, those hours are so, it's so funny and it's the same questions. And, and I definitely, I never wanted to sound like repetitive or not like, you know, and it was a, it was a really exciting, you know, thing. And, and to be young, it's weird. My, my little niece, Everly played a young me in in the first season of PLL Original Sin, and um, and she was she was the exact age that I did Bridge Terabithia, and I remember looking at her on set and looking at my sister, and I was like, I'm having the heart attacks my mom had, and I completely understood what they were feeling because in the moment at that time and age, like the junket was just like a big party for me. I loved it, you know? And then you look back and you realize how small and and tiny I was and unaware of things. And um, no, I mean, everyone was so kind to me growing up and, you know, made the experience uh, a very positive one, which, which always meant so much. You surrounded yourself with some very good people. Guillermo del Toro is still and will always be one of my favorite people, not just in this business, but on this planet. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So much of what I learned um, from Guillermo. I, I mean, I, I continue to take with me to this day, especially within the show. There were a lot of conversations that I remembered him and I having when it came to Don't Be Afraid of the Dark and and little techniques and tactics to kind of get your mind there and your breath pattern there for certain scenes. And uh, I, yeah, I carry Guillermo with me in, in so much of what I do. Okay, here's a good follow-up to that. Then he made a big impression on you in that respect. But what about all of the incredible actors you worked with growing up? Is there anything that you saw someone do on set that you put in your back pocket and found yourself applying to Pretty Little Liars? Uh, I would say, you know, being so young and being so surrounded, I think I, I'm i so fortunate that I was surrounded by the best of the best growing up because I think I might not have been aware of, of how much I was learning or or the status of what they were. So I was just kind of this 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 little girl, not just admiring them on camera, but more so admiring them as humans. And um, I mean, I learned so much. Katie Holmes has has always remained someone that um, just truly touched my heart with with how she is off camera. Um, there wasn't a person that she didn't say goodnight to. She she loved getting to to lead a, you know, to lead a role. But I think most importantly, she loved leading a set and trying to set the tone and, and make it a beautiful and safe place. And um, same with Adam Sandler. I mean, the, he, he uses the same crew that he's worked with forever. They're family to him. He cares about people and, and humans and, and having a good time doing what you're doing. And, um, you know, I think as I grow up and I grow older, I've, I've, I remember things that might not have made sense back then that I find myself going like, oh yeah, like I am bringing candles from my home to my hotel just because I am homesick and I want to feel like I'm home. And that's probably why this person did it. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of human things that I've been able to learn, um, from them. And I think that growing up in this business is really hard. Um, and I remain really grateful by getting to just kind of stand back and, and witness and learn. I think I'm going to borrow that tactic and bring candles from home to uh, to TIFF in a couple of weeks. It's not nearly as long as shooting a show, but I feel like any kind of sense of like home and calm I could get would be helpful. No, it's so true. I'm like, I'm a big fan of like, I pack picture frames, like my favorite kind of pillow. I mean, yeah, you, you try to take the home with you because 
you've got to like recenter at the end of the night in, in some capacity. <laughs> All right. Getting into more titles here. So this is a little bit of a big question, but of all of your earliest work, is there anything that you walked away from and it made you think like this particular experience gave me a better understanding of what my goals are for myself as an actor going forward, a specific type of story, a specific type of experience you wanted to have on sets, you name it. You know, it's interesting. The Strangers Pray at Night was actually a very big uh, turning point, I think, for myself. I, you know, was so, so, so fortunate and blessed to to have done Good Witch for five years and, and you know, with with Hallmark and, and they were so lovely and so kind. And I think it created an environment where when people wanted to make me like 15 to 21 overnight. I didn't have to do that. I felt safe and protected and was able to then go and, you know, write a YA fiction book and produce for the first time. And, um, and it gave me the space to kind of grow in that capacity and find out what I wanted to do. Um, but I remember, you know, obviously you film a show for half of a year and then you have a very small window to try to squeeze something else in. And the strangers came to me and, I mean, that entire experience was was the most invigorating because uh, they didn't need me to look pretty. They didn't want me to look made up. They didn't care how ugly I might have looked or cried. Uh, the whole idea was to just like have fun and and let yourself loose and not be afraid to just kind of dive into that world fully. And um, Johannes Roberts is still, you know, a dear friend of mine. And, and we talk all the time uh, whenever we can. And I'm such a fan of him. But uh, I remember walking away from that and being like, when we were doing night shoots for for about a month, it was a quick one, but it was it was intense. Um, and there wasn't a it wasn't a six a.m. wrap that I wasn't so happy and so fulfilled. And I think for me, I was like, no, I I love pushing the boundaries. I love this business as a whole. I love being creative with with camera angles and our camera department and our team and. Um, and so that, yeah, that for me, that for me propelled, which is, which is really exciting. You know, I think PLL is, is a wonderful, you know, next step towards entering that genre. And it kind of set me up to know how much I love it. I'm so happy you name dropped that title. As someone who puts the original Strangers on a pedestal, I was very impressed by how well that movie wound up scratching that itch. Because it's not easy to do that with sequels. It's not, not your scene, but that the pool scene in particular like that's, that's something, a designed scene that I will never forget in my entire life. I know. And I was about to just say a spoiler, but also the scene where Christina Hendricks dies just like wrecks me every time I watch it. Yeah, it wrecks me. Christina, it was so incredible. And I, I loved her. I remember doing that scene and, and we were just in the scene and I was, you know, it's weird. You're in a studio and she's in the bathroom and I'm like on the top of the studio roof, like looking down at her, you know, where I can see the whole crew around me. Um, but I just remember I was just like, I was just sobbing. And I was like, this is, this is really gruesomely sad and, and relentless and horrible. And, oh, it was so fun. And then I always look back and I think about that whole sequence when the car crashes in um, and, you know, and and the strangers are there and then it catches on fire. And I mean, all that was real fire. All of that was me. Johannes was like, you want to do it? Great. Let's do it. And I was like, you know, the bridge crawling and the running, it was, it was so physically and emotionally demanding. And I, I was the happiest at all times. I love that you're leaning into more horror too. I was taking a, I never know when IMDb is accurate, but I was taking a little peek at the upcoming titles and there's, there's more horror. And that just thrills me because you are very good at it. It is one of my favorite genres and the more horror in this industry, in my opinion, at least the better. 
I, I agree. I think, you know, I think horror, horror doesn't have boundaries, which I think is what makes it really exciting. Uh, you can explore its psychological aspects of it or just slasher aspects of it, but uh, it doesn't really have any limits, which is why I think, especially in the time of my life right now, like I don't want to be held back. I just want to get to have fun and, and do what I love. And, um, and so many of these things coming up are, you know, the, the movie I filmed right before PLL is so messed up. It's so, it's called Play Dead. It's with Jerry O'Connell. It's basically just him and I, the whole movie. And um, it's unlike anything I've ever done. It's really, it's really horrifying. Is Play Dead the one with the dog or is that the other one? No, Play we haven't, we haven't done that. So that, so Play Dead is basically, it takes place in a, in a morgue. Uh, is really all I can say oh, over, yes, yes. over a night. It's really, yeah. My sister can't watch it. I showed it to her a couple of weeks ago and she had to get up and leave. She's like, I'm nauseous. Like I physically want to throw up. And I was like, cool, that's good. <laughs> well, that, that is a really good selling tool for someone yeah. like me. You saying yeah. that makes me want to go run and see it ASAP. Yeah. Very different, very different. All right, let's get into Pretty Little Liars full force now. First question for you on that one is, what would you say is the biggest difference between how you envisioned Imogen when you first started auditioning for the role compared to who she turned out to be in the finished product? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know much about Imogen. Um, my first my first taste of her was, um, was the scene when she goes to the nurse and asks for an abortion. Uh, so very quickly realized that this show was not trying to be cookie cutter at all. It wasn't just trying to be a teen drama. It, it wanted to dive into obviously the, the slasher world and elements, but also what does it look like to explore like the internal horror that people deal with on a daily basis. And, um, and I was immediately so, so drawn to the fact that these girls weren't written uh, to be, you know, sexualized or like in high school or to be something that, you know, that's just one layer. I think I was so overjoyed to see Roberto and Lindsay's take on on letting these characters have so many layers and dimensions. Um, but I had no idea what the rest was going to hold. I actually just found out the Ouija board scene in episode four was the scene that I tested with. Um, and it was just a scene that they wrote. It wasn't supposed to be in the episode. And then I guess they, they kept it, which was really exciting. But um, I just remember getting, you know, script by script and being constantly kind of amazed. You know, they kept us guessing. They kept everything a surprise for us. So we were kind of heading into it blind, but being led by the best. And um, I just remember seeing, you know, especially when eight, nine and 10 arrived with me, I was like, there we go. I was like, let's, you know, let's, let's go. I was just going to curse. I don't know if I can curse, but uh, <laughs> I was like, let's freaking go. Let's do it. Um, but I think, I think that speaks on, on behalf of so much of what they wanted for us. I think without knowing what was going to happen to our characters, our trust was already in Roberto and Lindsay's hands because we knew that we were protected. We knew that we were safe and we knew that they deeply, deeply cared about having characters that meant something, that had something to say, that we're all going through something um, worth discussing and talking about. And, um, and that was a really, that was a really beautiful thing to get to experience. I love that so much. Well, I love watching them grow as individuals, but one of the most heartening elements of this show is watching how they can't move forward unless they do it together. And the emphasis on that kind of relationship and growth, I feel like it just, it means a lot to see stuff like that. And they did it very well. And so did all of you. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. That's obviously so much of what made the original so much fun to watch and, and why you cared so much about them. And um, I think the hope was for us is that 
one, you could get to know these characters as their own person um, so that you could care and root for all of them separately. But then when these girls are together, you know, you know, they're unstoppable, you know, that they care, you know, that they have each other's backs and, and see each other in a world that doesn't really see them um, and shows that there are people out there willing to hear you and listen to you and care for you. And um, yeah, that was, it was, again, it meant so much to get to portray, I think, for all of us means a lot to a lot of people out there. I was doing my little social media like stalking before and I don't know, you just you could feel you could feel the attachment to this group of characters out there and I feel like with a show like that that is probably one of the biggest priorities is to connect yeah. with the fans like that and it's not even just the show, probably what you're doing with the live tweets too just, you know, bolsters that connection even more so. So, it is a special thing that you're doing over there. All right. So, when you first book the role, is there anything about the character that you pinpointed and made you think to yourself, like this particular quality or this particular experience she goes through, that's going to be the most challenging and intimidating thing for me. And then did that turn out to be the toughest part or did something kind of, you know, sneak up and catch her by surprise? I think for me, I think genuinely understanding the weight of her pregnancy. I didn't know that information until um, until I really started the show. And so I think, I think my initial fear was, oh my God, I don't want to look like I'm wearing a fake stomach. Like I can't relate to this. I don't know what this feels like. I don't know how you walk. So I wanted to be very mindful of that already. And then learning about the trauma that Imogen went through, learning about how she got pregnant, uh, that was so far removed from anything that I've ever had to, uh, you know, experience or have had someone else in my life experience, thankfully. Um, but the reality is, is that it, it is all too true for so many women and so many people. Um, so I think just wanting to be very delicate on that at all times, whenever, whenever, you know, any of us said, you know, the word, it was like, it was delicate and had, you know, we wanted to make sure that nothing felt um, like it was out there to be out there. Uh, nothing felt like we were pushing anything in someone's face or using it for, for, for a tactic other than trying to bring a voice to the voiceless and, and having someone feel seen. And I think understanding that, it was not my right to to draw anything personal to try to like get me emotional for a scene or try to I, I had to know that that in that moment it had to be what Imogen was thinking. It would have to be strictly those feelings and and do that research and and try to be a listening ear to the best that I could. Um, because it that story matters. That story is uh you know, heartbreakingly, but thankfully so touching so many people right now as, as, as they're watching the season. And I think that was just, you know, one of, one of the things I was most protective about at all times was making sure it was as honest and grounded as it could be. Um, because it's, it's true. It's not make believe. And, um, and I, I think, you know, it was a joy to get to take something like that on, but, uh, really, you know, get, you know, for sure, hard to try to know that you're taking care of it the best way that you can. From my limited perspective, I feel like I could feel what you just described in your performance. And going back to my love of genre, I feel like that is a big reason that I am drawn to horror. Like, yes, I do love the thrill of it, but sometimes I find it easier to process really difficult human truths through extreme genre stories. And that that is what you all are doing here. And you're doing it very effectively. Thank you so much. It means a lot. It really, truly does. Thank you. 
All right. So digging into Imogen, in particular, I was wondering if you had, I guess, like a core quality or a guiding light as she learned more and as she explored this mystery and also just something that guided her decisions. Because for the most part, she comes across as like a really warm, kind person to me, but then she'll do something like, you know, want to show the Karen video to the town. And (laughs) when you're doing something like that and having a situation where a character, you know, needs to make a knee-jerk decision or a, a decision based in fear. Is there any particular quality of hers you can come back to, to still know that that was her truth in the moment? For sure. I mean, I think what's so great is that none of these characters are perfect. All of them are extremely flawed in their own right. I mean, uh, Tabby's doing her thing in the locker room. That's the way she's working towards her grief. Obviously, that's not the way to go about it. But for someone who's had everything stripped away from her and is in silence, I think, you know, you you were able to to ground Tabby and go, you know, she's been through a hell of a lot. This is the way that she's processing her grief. And I think, you know, with Farron, there's there's things that are said or decisions that are said that and made that might not make sense. But then you look at the trauma that Farron is dealing with and you you can understand where she's coming from. I think that that goes the same way for all these characters. But Imogen, yeah, I mean, I just always was like, just remember she's pregnant. Like she's got a lot of hormones going on on top of everything else. Like this girl, I call her uh, like unhinged Imogen. It's when like she has her mindset on something and that's just what it is. And like, she's pregnant and super hormonal and very sad. Um, And so, you know, when she made the, the questionable choices, I think the thing that that I loved playing with was the was when it would hit her after. It, it's not like she left something and went, that was amazing. Like we made someone really upset. She left and was like, what the hell did we just do? Was that the right thing? Like, um, and I think that's a very relatable quality, you know, growing up, especially as a teenager, you're, you're walking around blindly. You're trying to make these adult decisions, but you're not an adult. And I think none of these girls are really being guided by adults anyways in their lives. So they're, they're trying to do the best out of, out of the situation that they're being handed. That's such a good way to describe it. All right. I'm going to squeeze in one more non-spoiler question because I'm bursting at the seams right now. I have to get into the end of the show, (laughs) but I want to highlight at least two cast members here. So of everyone in this ensemble, which two actors would you say have the most polar opposite approaches to getting their work done? Where when you share scenes with these two people, you know, you as a scene partner are going to get a totally different experience. Uh, I would say like Mallory, Mallory Bechtel and I, I loved filming my stuff with her. Her and I have, I think, very, very similar vibes, which I think is what made it fun. Uh, we love, we love not keeping something too comfortable. We love the idea of being in the scene completely with that person. And if that means that whatever idea that you had walking in as your own, you know, you selfishly put that aside and, and you decide to be in that scene with that person, which is why I love acting so much is uh, you can only be as good as like your scene partner next to you. And, um, and we just had a really good time. I think like pushing each other's buttons and trying new things and seeing if that would, you know, what reaction that would get from that character. So uh, Mallory was so much fun. And then, um, oh man, oh, oh, I would say, okay, 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 Eric Johnson. 
Uh, Eric Johnson and I had very limited time together, which broke my heart. But we did have one specific scene uh, towards the end of the season that I was just like bursting with excitement to get to do because I had seen his work on Zoom. I knew what Sheriff Beasley was like. I had so much respect for him. And I remember it was one of the fastest scenes we filmed in that season. It was very like, it was about two takes, three takes for, you know, for all the coverage. And um, and I sat there and was like, yeah, let's go. And he was like, let's do this thing. And it was just like electrically so much fun and so fresh and so different and so push and pull. And I think, um, I think, I mean, from what I've been told, he walked away too. And he was like, that was a blast. And I was like, that was so much fun. So yeah, scenes with him, scenes with Sharon, uh, basically, you know, whenever we kind of had like an adult come in, it obviously changes that dynamic. And for someone like me, I'm used to filming with adults, not with people my age. So I think maybe I felt like I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like, I know this. A bit more. Um, but it was a joy. I mean, there wasn't our cast is so talented and they are incredible human beings that like to pick two, this isn't even a politically correct answer. It's just, they're genuinely, they're so good and they understood their characters and they protected them and they loved them. And, um, and it's been so much fun to celebrate them now that these episodes are out. I'm like, I'm in awe of them, you know, through every scene. And so it was, yeah, it was a joy. I think we all, we all were determined to lift each other up in those moments, in those scenes and, and not care so much about ourselves in that moment, but the whole of the show, like the whole of the show and, and everything that we wanted to do together for it. Movies and shows don't work unless you have that approach to your performance. So I am not surprised to hear you describe the relationships like that. All right, let's do it. Spoiler warning is going up. And this is a spoiler warning for all of season one of Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. We're just going to like blurt out the biggest spoilers in a moment. So if you have not finished, you push pause on this video, you finish your binge watch, and then you push play and it starts right here. It's great. Truly for anyone listening, don't be lazy and go, well, now I just want to know. The episodes, these last three episodes, they are my favorite episodes of the season. They're insane. You have to watch them. So go do that. We'll see you in a second. <laughs> Great, we're back. <laughs> I do. All right. I haven't. I haven't really been able to talk spoilers. So let's go. This is mental. I'm so excited right now. So you brought this up, and Chandler had explained this to me the other day that none of you had the information that your character wouldn't have in the moment when you filmed. So. What were some of your biggest predictions and expectations for the reveal of who A was and also the father of Imogen's baby? And then how did your expectations and your own predictions compare to who those identities wound up belonging to? This is just so weird to answer. <laughs> I just went through, I've been through like an 11 month boot camp to keep my mouth shut. So this is like, I feel like someone, I feel like A is going to come out and just like grab the jacket and I'm screwed. Um, okay. Prediction wise, man, we had no idea where it was going. Like we genuinely, we did not know. Um, our A theories were a mess. Like A really stumped us like throughout the whole season. We were like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I remember in episode seven was when my red flag went off. I, I always looked at Chip and was just had like a gut feeling. Um, but I, I just was like, there's no way. And then seven hit. And I remember we were doing these scenes and, and Carson, who's an amazing actor and obviously not an easy role to be handed, not easy information to find out while you're filming. Cause we all didn't know. Um, so I think for him, you know, such a caring and lovely and respectful, you know, man, um, 
he was kind of heartbroken, I think, a bit. And, you know, we were like, we know it isn't you. Like, we love you. And so, uh, you know, we were just kind of waiting to hear if that was going to be the case. And, and you know, obviously broke all of our hearts, as I think it did, you know, to a lot of people and when they find out that news. Um, and then I remember I had a moment in episode eight, where I looked at, um, I looked at, you know, who plays Principal Clanson and I looked at him and I was like, I think you're behind this. And he was like, why would you say that? And I was like, why are you here for this scene? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, I was like, I think they're plotting you. Um, but none of us, none of us like truly had faith in any of our, in any of our thoughts. I think Roberto and Lindsay, they did such a good job at keeping you guessing. They really did. And and as people who were there and filming, to have been so lost and confused and having no idea what was going on. I mean, 10 hit us and we were like, wait, what? Like, even if we had come up or guessed certain things, it still, it still felt like a slap in the face. We were like, this is insane. Was there ever a point in time when one of the five of you thought you could be A? Or did you know that that at least was always off the table? I think we all thought it was off the table. I think we were like to do that in the first season would be crazy. <laughs> like, I think that there's a world in which the show can continue. And I think we've seen that all of these girls have a darkness within them and, and have, you know, I think, I think a lot of people, it was funny. I think I had a friend of mine call me actually after like episode six and she was like, I think you're a, and I was like, you think I'm a, and she was like, I just don't trust Imogen. And I was like, you don't trust Imogen. And she was like, no. Um, so it's, you know, I think, I think all of us know that, that that could happen one day, but in the first season we, we felt safe. Now, did we, I mean, I thought they could kill me off for sure. Like it, that was more a fear of mine. As someone who is obsessed with the slasher genre and very much understands that the rules, I clearly have a scream brain, the rules need to change with every single installment. I felt like anything could have been possible in that respect. Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, hopefully moving forward, you know, we're we're obviously so eager to continue this story and are hopeful that we get to. But um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what goes down. I think all of us are going to be like, just don't touch, don't hurt me. <laughs> Put me through hell, but don't kill me off, I think is yeah, the hope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. Um, how about how your personal goals and the way you approach the character differs when you learn that information? Because you don't have it and there, like there's so many deeply personal layers to that information where once you are aware of it, I have to imagine that that changes what you do when you hit the set. Yeah, I, it definitely does. I think that's why they kept everything from us. I think we were dying to know information, but at the same time, because I think we trusted that we weren't going to play into it. We were like, just tell us, please. And they were like, no. But looking back, I'm so grateful that they did that because uh, I do think you're watching us discover it as as the audience is discovering it. Um, you're watching with them, not at them. And I think that's such a wonderful concept um, and makes it such a kind of immersive experience for the viewers with the show. Um, but I remember getting this information and, and specifically, I think, the scene with Carson uh, at, at the Orpheum with Tabby, um, that was such, such a complicated approach to that scene because there are so many layers in, in, in a course of just a couple of pages that these girls have to go through. It's the not having the information, but pretending that you do and putting on that brave face, knowing damn right that if it's a yes for Imogen or if it's a yes for Tabby, that's going to break their hearts and having 
that friendship dynamic of like, in this moment, I have to have a poker face, but the moment that it comes crushing down, even though I think they both knew it and knew that they were going to walk in there and have this heartbreak when someone confesses, how do you, how do you not completely lose it in that moment? And how do you stand there for your friend and and know that everything inside of her is breaking down right now and then vice versa. Um, so that, that scene specifically was like, was a very complicated, I think, scene to, to figure out. Cause it's not just one thing going on and, and it shouldn't have just been one thing going on. And, uh, I had a really kind of wonderful conversation with Roberto and Lindsay about a day before we started filming where, they added a few a few little things for Imogen to say to Chip at the end because I, I was calling them and I was like, I'm I'm pissed at him because I just want us to remember like the fact that he did all of this and then took this girl on a date and offered to adopt, like went to the adoption agency, not only took so much away from her in that time and during that night, but then also the first source of joy and trust that she put in a different guy was then again taken away by the same person. And so um, that dynamic, walking in with that, I was like, it, Imogen didn't know what was going on. Tabby didn't know how they were going to handle it, but they they were fighting every single second of that scene. And so that was, um, that was yeah, that was an emotional day for sure, I think for everybody. Yeah, understandably so. But I don't think anything brings me more joy than hearing an actor break down a scene like that and expressing all the layers and all the different thoughts that go into it. And me being able to think to myself, like everything you are saying, I see, I feel every single column that needs to fuel that one conversation. You really do have it come across especially well. Thank you. That means a lot. I think for for so many, I mean, our director, Lisa Soper, she directed five out of our 10 episodes. And man, did she walk hand in hand with us through that scene and and did not rush us, did not rush that day when it came to filming it. I think wanted everyone to feel safe and protected and um, and and really forced us to have the conversation, not just say the words. And I think having that safety net with another woman by your side too was uh, was was a really beautiful thing to have. I keep hearing the best things about her and it makes me better. Oh, she's... She's about to take over the world. I'm like, we're, it's Lisa Soper's world. We're all just living in it. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Bring it on. Uh, here's another spoiler you probably know I have to ask you about. One of the big questions now, what was your first reaction when you found out the identity of the individuals who were going to adopt Imogen's baby? Because oh. like, I, I had a feeling there were going to be connections. I was not ready for that at all. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. I, you know, as, as an OG fan, I was so happy with the callback because I remember how heartbreaking that scene was between, between Lucy Hale and, and, and Ian. And I remember watching that scene and just, I honestly, it brought me to tears. I mean, the way that she did it and the fact that they went there and then that was a part of a story and, um, it, 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 it broke me watching that. And so I loved the idea. I love the fact that that, that, that pain was never resolved when the show ended, but I think the idea that we can bring hope to that pain as well and bring it full circle with like, not just talking about an OG PLL character to like name drop, but to actually call back and bring like a source of a full circle to that. I think, I think was really exciting. Yeah. I was, I was stoked. And also, cause now I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, now I can visit the baby and see Lucy. So it's good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely open to those possibilities. But when I heard, when I heard that, I was just like, what? And then all of a sudden I'm like, huh, 
Yeah. Not, not just a name drop, not just a connection for the sake of making a connection, but one with great purpose. So I yes. applaud that quite a bit. All right. I will wrap with this one. I am very much rooting for more of the show. So assuming we get it, mm-hmm. when we get it, I like when, manifesting things. I when just we get it. When we get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. When we get season two, what is a new quality of Imogen's that she gained through her season one experience that you would be most eager to get to tap into and play with in a second season? I think she's realized that she's actually a very smart young woman. I think she's realized that um, that she is capable of surviving, that she's capable of, of tackling um, tackling things that people might run away from, both in a subject matter, both in a physical identity of A, and and be able to stand firm and stand strong. And, um, you know, obviously our show is so uh, kind of horror reference related and, and nods to iconic characters. And I think you look at like Jamie Lee Curtis and, and you look at Neve Campbell from Scream and it's like these women continuously grow and grow and own it. Um, and I think for Imogen, there's so much that she has to heal from still. And what is it like after she's given birth? What does that feel like? And what does that do to like someone as a young woman? And um, once you experience that, I don't think you're ever the same, let alone everything else that she's experienced, but uh, she's not going to stand down from it. I think, I think we've just witnessed a hint of what these girls are capable of doing. And um, yeah, that's why we better get picked up. Cause I'm like, let them, let them soar, let them live. They've got, they've got lots to do. It's going to happen, and I can't wait to cover that news when it does. Congrats on Pretty Little Liars' original sin, but also everything you accomplished, and bring on the horror. I'm so excited to get more from you. (laughs) Thank you. Much, much love. Thank Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.